The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. So, this uh, episode, we will be giving three settings and or story ideas for a Dark Ages game. But before we get started, Peter, how you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm taking the next week off uh, for some well-needed uh, R&R. Uh, it's been quite hectic uh, working the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, the world is <laughs> is an interesting place. Yeah. Um, here, here, in, here in Denmark, we uh, seem to have um, created a mutant version of COVID-19 in our mink population, uh, and I'm fearing the zombie apocalypse. Well, you do have at least one axe, so and and you live on the third floor, so so you should be quite safe at least for a while. Yeah, plus the uh, all the mink farms are uh, are pretty much as far away from where I live as you can be in Denmark, but it's it's still an interesting situation. Just before we right before we started here, I was reading the news and a ton of countries have put in travel restrictions against Denmark because of it. Um so yeah, it's it's interesting times, but uh, let's go back to uh, let's go back to the Middle Ages. More peaceful time when when horrible creatures of the night ruled the lands with fear and facts. Yes. So three settings and or story ideas that we think could be interesting. Peter, what is your first suggestion? Well, I I have this idea of of kind of a, a survival horror game um, and. Which is sounds kind of obvious since it, since it's vampires, so the horror part should already be in there. But I'm thinking that it would be interesting if you could actually get some kind of horror aspect for uh, for the vampires themselves uh, themselves. So my idea is that it's supposed to be um, somewhere out on the fringes of society, uh, perhaps Greenland, which was. Uh, still a, a, a Norse uh, colony in, in the 12th century, uh, <coughs> perhaps in Sweden or, or Norway, the mountains of Norway, or some other faraway place where um, you, you need to get the, the players there for some reason or other and, and just make something up that they're out there to, to search for an artifact or a lost uh, page of the Book of Nod or something, or that they're going mm. to establish uh, a new Crimson or something. Uh, but then then they find themselves in some kind of, of uh, fort or, or mansion or uh, um, farm uh, farmstead, if it's in Greenland, there weren't really any forts or mansions there. Um, <laughs> no. but, but some kind of isolated place where there are a few humans around and at least some of them may or may not know that their visitors are their new vampire overlords. Uh, and that sh really shouldn't be a problem to begin with. But then after a while, um, the, the players realize that, that they are, are isolated uh, in this place because there's something out there that is actually hunting them. Uh, mm. And they could kind of like try to just wait it out for a while, but then they're going to be attacked. Uh, and if they need to heal themselves or use um, uh, vampiric powers, then they're going to start to have to uh, feed on the locals. And since there aren't really that many of them, the, the blood supply might run out before the, the threat, whatever that is. 
Um, mm. So, so you have this kind of like, okay, do do we try to go out and fight this, even though we don't know what it is? Do we try to wait it out because we can just go into torpor uh, in in the basement or something? But what happens if it gets in? Uh, so, uh, I'm I'm guess it's it's kind of like uh, uh, an aliens or uh, scenario basically. Uh, yeah, or the thing. Yeah. Exactly. You you can you uh, and this this is actually one of the few places where I uh, would use uh, a werewolf perhaps as uh, um, in in the game, uh, but just one uh, lone very old powerful werewolf that has uh, gotten the scent of uh, of vampires in its um, in its domain and and just wants to get rid of them. Or you can go the other way, that's the, uh, or a different way rather, uh, that the players are perhaps sent to find a, a missing uh, vampire. Uh, and it, this is the, the, the thing that is actually stalking them, uh, because it has gone deranged, perhaps just from losing its uh, humanity too much, or um, and giving in completely to the beast. Or it, if you want to connect it to a bigger uh, campaign, you can have the, the artifact that I previously mentioned uh, is the thing that has caused the the vampire to go insane. Uh, yeah, and and Dark Ages is actually really good for this kind of thing because as someone who's played uh, a number of of one shot horror games in in systems like Call of Cthulhu and uh, All Flesh Must Be Eaten, one of the problems with playing in modern day is the access to modern technology. Things like cell phones, so you can quickly contact the outside world, and modern transportation. Um, it's always a, a struggle to find a way to to limit that, which is is why I think uh, the further back you go in time. Uh, the easier it is to create uh, horror scenarios. Yeah, just just a thing as as flashlights uh, for because even even if the vampires can see in the dark, the the humans can't, and and if they are killed, then all of the sudden the resources of the vampires uh, gets perhaps literally eaten away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... And and I'm thinking like yeah, Greenland would be perfect for this because you're you're so far away from everything and you have a tiny human population there. Uh, and and sure, if you eat all of them, you might get a lot of blood, but then you've eaten all the humans, and that's a problem in and of itself. Yeah. And of course, uh, at this point, uh, they were sending um, priests and missionaries up there, so you could easily have like a place that's on holy ground with perhaps. Uh, a priest with a bit, little bit of true faith, meaning that that not only is there a, an additional enemy, but there's also a place for the humans to hide if they realize that somebody's out for their blood. Yeah, exactly. And and even if you uh, play the scenario that the the humans actually know that uh, it, it is vampires that are coming to visit them, and they are okay with it because they think that yeah, we're just gonna help them and uh, to I don't know conquer our neighbors or something. If if the humans realize that okay we're we're not just going to be servants we're actually going to be food to the vampires then they might change their opinions uh, on their new overlords. Mm. Okay, yeah. So definitely, I I like this idea. So uh, my first suggestion is a city, the city of uh, Rouen, which I'm I'm probably mispronouncing that R O U E N. 
Um, it's a, a French city, and in the 13th century, it is the capital of the Duchy of Normandy. Mm. Um, before the Middle Ages, it was founded by the Gauls, conquered by the Romans, sacked by the Vikings, and then it was given to um, Rollo. Did it then the... fall over and tip into a swamp? Uh, possibly it fell over into the Seine, uh, mm. because it's located on the river. So um, it's insane in the memory? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, at, at some point, it might have been in the Seine. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it eventually it was given to, um, to Rollo, uh, the first ruler of the Normans by the King of France, uh, who, who basically gave the Vikings land in order to stop them attacking Paris again and again and, and again. again. <laughs> uh, in the 13th century, um, Rhone is the largest city in France outside of Paris and, um, and the Flanders region. And the Flanders region is only nominally part of France at this point. Uh, and the city has, uh, as far as I've been able to, uh, to find out, somewhere between 30 and 40,000 inhabitants. Um, and uh, I've, I've looked and there doesn't seem to be anything canon written about Rhone in the Dark Ages. So um, people who, who worry about what's written in canon, they can pretty much design the city's court and canines as they, as they choose. Um, and, and even if they don't worry about it, you know, they, they won't have players saying, ah, but I've read this and that. Um, so that's always a plus for me. Uh, the city was in rapid growth in the 13th century both in terms of inhabitants, but also economically uh, taking part in the growing uh, wool and cloth trade in the area and making a lot of money um, off the trade along the Seine River. <clears throat> Rune has a lot of interesting stuff for a Dark Ages chronicle. It's home to the Exchequer of Normandy, also called the Exchequer of Rune, which is both the fiscal and administrative court of the Duchy of Normandy. Uh, so this is where where the, the the finances and the the laws and administration of the entire duchy is handled. Uh, there's Rhone Castle, which was built from 1204 to 1210, which is uh, a ducal and royal residency, as well as being a large and powerful mm-hmm. fortress. And finally, in the 13th century, about 6,000 Jews lived in Rhone, uh, which uh-huh. is around 20% of the city's population. Uh, and that's pretty incredible for a European city outside of the Iberian Peninsula to have that many Jews living in one city. Yeah, um, that, the, that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm thinking of the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the ethnical makeup of the city, since, since as you mentioned, uh, it's basically a, uh, a Viking uh, area. Yeah, it, so, exactly. So you, can it, have, yeah, so you can have both, like, the, the well, I'm guessing they're actually Normans by now and not uh, yeah. Norse. Uh, and and you can have uh, the Jewish population and and uh, so you can mix and match quite a bit, especially if if there are vampires that have stuck around for a few hundred years. Yeah, exactly. You can have vampires all the way to the first Gauls. You can Roman vampires, mm. uh, Viking vampires, and and so on and so forth. Uh, and also, there's a lot of evidence that the Jews lived side by side with the Christians without much tension. And there was even a, uh, once again, probably mispronouncing, uh, a, a yeshiva, uh, which is a Jewish school dedicated to studying Jewish religion and law uh, in the city, which was, and it was allowed there. So you have uh, a lot of tolerance for Jews mm-hmm. compared to what uh, is happening elsewhere. And then there's the thing that I consider the most interesting and probably the biggest story hook for Rhon, even if you don't want to use the city as um, the center of your chronicle, this is something that you can use if you're running a chronicle elsewhere for people to visit and experience. <clears throat> and that is the Leprosarium. 
in the 12th <laughs> in the 12th century Henry II built a church just outside Rhone dedicated to Thomas Becket the archbishop that Henry had unwittingly gotten murdered mm. this eventually became part of an endowment for a leper colony and gained the name uh, Mont aux Malades uh, once again butchering the pronunciation yeah. A lot of powerful locals supported the colony, which became one of the biggest in Europe and actually ended up being a leper monastery, which controlled a great deal of land, not just at uh, Mont de Malades, but also around and inside Rhône. In addition, the lepers had the right to hold an annual fair to ensure an income, and this fair was held in the first week of September, a fair which had the protection of some of the highest nobles in the land and which, according to the sources that I found, uh, was a grand affair of both trading and revelry. Now, if your head isn't already filled with ideas regarding yeah. clans, Nosferatu and Cappadocian, uh, then I can't help you because I think, you know, this is just an amazing thing uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, have in a game and to use as a story hook. Yeah, I'm I'm getting all sorts of ideas, uh, especially now that you mentioned not only the the leprosy but uh, but the Jewish and the, the Christians living side by side. Um, I'm I'm thinking that it could actually be a stronghold for idealistic Bruja. Uh, yeah, exactly. So so you can have them all all from the Gauls and uh, and the Romans, perhaps a few uh, Brujas from. Uh, from Carthage, Carthage has made their, their way here um, to to hang out because it's still far away from Rome. Uh, and then you could have, if you want to tie in with the whole um, warrior aspect of the Brugia, then then perhaps uh, Viking Brugia has come from uh, from other places. So I'm I'm thinking that it's it's uh, quite lit- literally a multi generational uh, Brugia stronghold because. They they have heard about this place where other Brujas hang out and uh, and they can philosophize and um, uh, and yeah, the Viking ones can do like with the uh, the scolding and the uh, the songs and and the cannings and and stuff like that that they did yeah. uh, and and they just talk about it and then like you mentioned you could also have quite a few Cappadocians and and Nosferatu. Yeah, and the Brugia can can say, see, here Christians and Jews live side by side. You have uh, uh, healthy people Mm -hmm. and lepers living side by side, and the lepers are accepted to the point where they can hold a tournament and things like that. And yeah, as uh, as you mentioned, get all uh, philosophical about the ideas. Mm. Um, So, Peter, what... Is your second suggestion? Well, my my second suggestion could be um, either uh, uh, just one shot, or or it could be uh, it could also be the start of a one shot, or or it could be uh, pretty much as as long as you want it. Uh, but it's it's basically one of these uh, you wake up in a cell and you don't know where where you are scenarios. Uh, mm. But it's um, with, with a twist, and I'm thinking <laughs> that it it's it starts out. Uh, it's a bit of a contrived uh, circumstance, but uh, with what campaign isn't? Uh, so it, it starts out with the uh, again with the the characters are they're, they're traveling somewhere and they're supposed to go from place A to place B, and they've um, for this particular journey they have agreed to travel. Uh, locked in or sealed up in 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 coffins or or chests uh, or crates just to avoid the sunlight. Uh, mm. But then their uh, either their ship or their uh, their caravan or what have you has been attacked and their crates have been stolen. 
and they wake up and they don't know wh where they are and they don't know um, where where they have been taken or who has taken them uh, if they actually have been kidnapped or uh, or if it was just a random bunch of, of highway bandits who who stole them because they thought it might be uh, because obviously these crates were very very good defended by by the caravan so obviously it's something mm. important and valuable inside it um, and and I'm thinking that this could be like kind of an exploration um, game where where if you want they could just have been sent by a ship let's say that they they wanted to go from from Greece to, to Egypt or something, but all of a sudden they have been uh, captured by by pirates who sailed down to uh, to Morocco, or, or they they took them in in caravans into the uh, desert of the Middle East or, or whatever, or, or yeah. uh, the mountains of Turkey or, or whatever. They just wake up and don't know where they are and how the hell are they going to get back home? Uh, and and if you want, you can include that uh, just more of an action um, aspect to it. Uh, they have ended up in a region where there's a lot of war, which of course would help them a bit uh, with uh, supplies of vitae. But at the same <laughs> yeah. time, if they're foreigners in, in a foreign country during a time of war, they're not going to be welcomed uh, and they're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, or, or if you want to do it like a more compressed, you can you can do it like um, a kind of escape the city style scenario where uh, the city they are in is under siege or has been attacked, and and they have they have gone to to sleep for the day, but then they wake up and realize that oh no, our haven is burning or or whatever, uh, and they just have to escape the city um, with. Uh, with their own lives basically and do they want to bring their material goods or their people they want to save uh, or the mm. people they want to uh, to kill now that they have the chance now that the, the city is being sacked um, so so that's that's what I'm thinking um, for, for my yeah. second idea yeah and there's I mean there's a ton of uh, examples of cities being sacked uh, around this uh, around this time um, with uh, with um, all manner of wars going on. Uh, probably the biggest and uh, and most extreme example is the one that we we mentioned when we did Constantinople yeah. by night, which is Constantinople, uh, which was attacked. But during you have the um, the cru the the Crusades, you have the um, the area of Palestine where yeah. cities change hands, and you have the um, you have the um, Albigensian Crusade yeah. where you also have cities being sacked. So. So yeah, that that sounds that sounds like a really interesting both yeah as a one shot, but also something you could run a bit longer. Once again, you know, in a in a situation where where uh, the, the the players are a bit nervous for what happens to their uh, to their characters. Yeah, uh, and also if if you just uh, want to have it more like an exploratory, um, discover a, a new world kind of deal, uh, the the late 12th century is not that far away from uh, from the journeys of Marco Polo uh, no, so you could yeah. have them you, you could like if, if your uh, story takes place uh, like 50 or 70 years uh, later you you could have them ending up somewhere on the silk road perhaps or, or in that part of the world if if you like it and then you have uh, pretty much free reigns to to do whatever you want in in that setting 
Yeah, and they're, they're, if, if they follow him, they're going to be traveling through some very, very interesting areas mm. where if you have a bunch of um, European and or Middle Eastern vampires, uh, they, they're going to, uh, to see some things that are so different from what they're used to. Yeah. Okay, so my second suggestion is very, very close to my first in terms of geography, and that is the region known as Flanders. At this point in time, the county of Flanders. Uh, although technically a part of France back then, it's um, uh, mainly part of Belgium now. And the country was, was pretty darn independent back then. And in fact, in, in 1302, the commoners of Flanders will defeat the noble-led army of France in the Battle of the Golden Spurs. Um, there, there seems to be a tradition of, of French knights uh, losing to non-knights in, uh, in war. <laughs> um, now, at this point in time, Flanders is the only industrialized region in Europe, and the industry is weaving huge, and I really mean incredibly enormous amounts of English wool are exported to Flanders, and every city and town, and in fact, not a few villages, have weavers weavers working at, um, at looms every day, turning the wool into cloth. It's mainly bolts of cloth called broadcloth, which is then resold to be made into uh, clothing. Though some clothes are uh, made locally, mainly trousers. There's actually uh, a type of trousers that is uh, in, in Europe at this point known as, uh, I think it's Flanders trousers or something like that, which are, are basically, oh, they're from, they're from that, that region. You can, you can tell by the way they're made. Yeah. Um, and uh, the wool of Flanders or the, the cloth that they weave is, uh, is sold not just locally at the fairs of Flanders as uh, and, uh, and the Champagne fairs, but also as far away as, as Kiev and Novgorod and even in non-Christian lands. This is, is making Flanders a very, very rich area. And not just that, people are flocking to the cities. Uh, two or three of the biggest cities boasts about 40,000 inhabitants, and there are several cities that have between 10 and 30,000 people, which means you can have a lot of vampires there. And uh, while the area is still sort of technically feudal, you have the meteoric rise of the craft skills and the merchants. Uh, they're still farming, uh, but a lot of people are moving to the towns and cities. And then there's smuggling and piracy in the English Channel, which is also interesting. Uh, you can have a lot of stuff going on in Flanders. You can have local Canites fighting for independence against the powerful and established Canites of Paris and the rest of France. You can have the older and more established, uh, let's say, Ventrue and La Sombra with influence in the church and among the nobles versus younger Canites, uh, other, you know, younger Ventrue, but also Brugia and, and the like with influence over merchants and guilds. Neonets will have ample opportunity to carve out a power base because you have this rapidly expanding economy of the region. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that is a really interesting place to uh, to set a chronicle. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to remember the name. There's there's actually an an island in the English Channel uh, that was basically a, a pirate island, or it, it was a stronghold for. Is it uh, what what do we have? We have Jersey. No, it's, and it's we not have... one. Of, it's it's a French island. Uh, oh, oh, and uh, I can't, can't remember, remember those. <laughs> its, its name, but it's um, um, and and there was uh, there were a bunch of of um, uh, yeah, we would call them pirates uh, from both um, France and and England who took the refugee uh, refuge there from time to time. 
and yeah. uh, sometime they manage to hide out. But uh, there is uh, later on when you, when you have a bunch of the um, of the not not really civil wars, but but the the uh, power struggles in in England. Uh, you you had uh, some of the involved basically running away and hiding there because that that was safer than staying yeah. in England. Yeah, you you uh, from from time to time you have a bunch of of English nobles coming over there and and settling for a while and and sometimes even creating their own dynasties in the area. Yeah, so so yeah, that that could be a really interesting place to to have. Again, you you have lots of opportunities to to. Uh, Basically, throwing what you think is is interesting for the uh, for the campaign. Uh, yeah, because I think you know it's 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 kind of obvious doing the whole ooh um, the the power and the wealth of of uh, the the weaving and all that. But but what really I th- what really um, I think could be a different campaign is the piracy and the smuggling. You know, do a a campaign where your characters have have latched on to an area that's probably overlooked by other vampires and you can become very, very powerful, wealthy and influential crime lords simply by, uh, yeah. by doing, um, by doing uh, uh, that sort of thing. And of course you can also uh, choose to have one of your characters come from, there's a, a, a fairly uh, large and important city called uh, Dam or Dam, D-A-M-M-E. So mm. obviously you will have to have a, a, a character by the name of Sean Claude who's from that city. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, but, but as but, you mentioned that, that piracy has uh, been, it's been like not, not only a way to make money, but, but kind of a, uh, like, like a last ditch effort uh, for, um, for, for people who, who needs, uh, um, Money or or uh, kind of like if if they end up on the uh, on the losing side, so to speak, uh, you you kind of uh, um, you you end up as that. Uh, and for for example, the 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 king of not only Sweden but also Denmark and uh, and Norway, uh, Erik of Pommern. Uh, mm. The reason he was the king of all of them was because this was during the time of the Kalmar Union, where the yeah. three countries were one. Uh, he actually ended up as as a pirate after he was uh, dethroned, um, and and then he he went to the island of Gotland, which is also in the middle of or it is in the middle of the Baltic Sea with access to a bunch of trade routes. So it's kind of the same thing as as with. Um, uh, your city in, in Flanders yeah. with the, uh, with the access to the English Channel. Uh, so so yeah, if you you could have like a, a bitter old, perhaps not a king, but but a bitter old old nobleman who um, who who end ends up as as a pirate lord trying to regain some of his wealth and power. Yeah, uh, and and finally, I just want to say if if people think that. Um, this area sounds cool, but they don't want to do a lot of, of research and, and planning uh, themselves. Uh, I am planning on writing some stuff about Flanders for the Storytellers Vault, though that that is in the future, but just a little plug. <laughs> so, Peter, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Is it a European swallow or an African swallow? Uh, uh, I don't know. Ah! 
Anyway, <laughs> what is your last suggestion? Uh, well, uh, my last suggestion could actually um, fit pretty well in uh, either in Flanders or in um, uh, or, or in Ruin uh, because it's. Um, uh, I, w- I went more for store ideas than uh, than settings because I, mm. uh, I that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but it's. Yeah. Um, it, it, it again. It can also. Uh, it can both be a uh, a one shot, or if you want to draw it out a bit, you can play it over um, uh, over multiple sessions. But it's um, it's a setting, or or it's the idea that it's it's some kind of high intrigue gathering of uh, of of all kinds of vampires from far away. So you could have it perhaps at your uh, leprosy fair, um, lep fair twelve o two or something. <laughs> um, and and the, the idea is that it's supposed to start out as a very political uh, game with with basically uh, the the uh, not not only the rich and famous but but the influential people hobnobbing with each other and and trying to make uh, deals and uh, make and break alliances and stuff like that uh, and and then after a while weird things start to happen so. So you could either do it as just um, a normal murder mystery that that uh, it's it's just someone going around killing people and it could be someone or something uh, making away with both um, vampires and mortals alike if you want to have uh, have it a bit more expanded. Uh, but the the kind of twist is that it's um, it's supposed to be a threat to. To the entire gathering, so it's not just something that's oh, let's uh, um, send a few guards uh, or the the sheriff to deal with it, uh, but it's it's something bigger that that is actually a threat to everyone around, um, and and you have to uh, you you have to figure out what it is before it's too late, uh, and uh, and you can't just leave for whatever reason. So you could have. Uh, you could do like uh, basically a bomb plot, but with with probably something supernatural, or uh, maybe if you want to, if you like uh, the Bali and and demons and stuff like that, maybe they're trying to summon something or gain access to something, or it could just be a, a deranged Malkavian who has had some sort of vision uh, and has <laughs> gained access to something. So uh, and and if you really want to go to the uh, to the more twisted side, you can you can be inspired by the Saw movies, uh, and basically have something that yeah okay all of all of these vampires in this castle or at this fair or whatever, they kind of have to work together to uh, to survive, but of course they're not going to because you have all the different clans and all of the di- different factions. Oh, I, I like that idea a lot. This this thing of of vampires who are known for being backstabbing manipulators, being forced to work together in order to save their own lives. Yeah, exactly. And and you can you can basically have whatever MacGuffin you want as the reason for this. Uh, I'm thinking perhaps um, poison vitae in, uh, or or uh, just just a curse if you have Tremere or other uh, magic users uh, that they have been cursed, and if they don't do this particular thing before the next sunrise or sunset or what have you, then then they start... Um, I wouldn't start killing off characters just right away, but have them uh, 
actually get sick perhaps or um, mm. and, and get weaker uh, and uh, yeah or, or and of course you can also include or uh, combine it with like having actual uh, physical puzzles for the players to solve that they might actually be stuck in a room uh, that might open up a window to to the sunlight if they don't solve some kind of puzzle or sacrifice something for from themselves or something. Mm. Uh, yeah, and and again, I think the Dark Ages setting helps here both in terms of of being limited with technology, but also yeah. it it is a more, uh, for lack of a better term, magical time where uh, it's easier to include these aspects of curses and demons and and whatever um into uh, into a game and and it's easier i think to include stuff that is unknown to the players i mean if you want if you want players to uh, to uh, to to feel some of the same fear that their characters do then you you should often have you would often have to include something that where they don't know what it is because yeah. if they can say ah but that is a, a bali using this discipline or we're being attacked by a werewolf then then some of the the fear sort of drains away yeah, exactly. So, so you can throw in again. You're the you're the storyteller, so you can do whatever you want. But, but like you mentioned, yeah. that this is the kind of setting for, uh, for magic and and mystery and and dark shadows and not knowing what it is. Uh, and again, if you want to include stuff from uh, uh, from other uh, settings or other uh, White Wolf games, then uh, a bunch of of fae uh, and changeling messing with the fair. Uh, would probably be a perfect example. Uh, yeah, and and so it might. And and if you want to do it on on the kind of a lighter side, or at least end on a lighter note, uh, you could have it that all of these mortal traps or, or really horrible diseases or, or curses weren't really uh, lethal. So it's it's just uh, it, it's just a way for the for the fae to make the vampires spill their beans to each other and kind of like. Um, set them at each other's throat and and in the shadows you you have the fae just laughing their asses off yeah okay that was that was pretty cool yeah so what um, are you gonna end us with okay my last suggestion actually starts with a question uh to you and uh, to our listeners as well so uh listeners try to see if you can uh, you can answer this one uh, do you know when the hanseatic league started i i can give you a guess but All right, give me your guess. I'm, yeah, it's it. It should be sometime in the 1100s. I'm thinking, or if I'm a bit too early, but I, I'd say it's something around the 12th century. Yeah, uh, you're a little bit too early. Uh, for those uh, of our listeners who are unaware, the Hanseatic League was a league of free imperial cities in the German area of the Holy Roman Empire, and later a few cities outside, like for example, Visby on Gotland in Sweden. And they joined together to promote uh, trade, or well, they said they joined together to promote trade, and they certainly did that, but they also worked together uh, in other ways and really became uh, quite the power factor in the late Middle Ages. Uh, before fading with the rise of the transatlantic trade. Uh, you still have a few cities in Germany today that call themselves Hanseatic cities, yeah. the biggest one uh, being Hamburg. Anyway, we're not yeah, sure Lübeck when... Lübeck as well. Yes, uh, Lübeck and... I can never remember what the third one is, if it's uh, Bonn or something like that. But yeah, you have mm. you have three cities that are still calling themselves that. Um, we're not 
uh, sure exactly when the league started using the name Hanseatic League, but we do know exactly when it all got started. In 1241, which is just one year before the start date of Dark Ages 20th Anniversary Edition, the port cities of Hamburg and Lübeck, uh, growing, uh, com- which were growing commercial powers in Northern Europe, they signed treaties of mutual aid and defense and agreed to align their laws and coinage. So this is basically where it started with these two cities signing an agreement and then uh, as time went by, more and more cities got in on this agreement. Um, now Hamburg has a little information in Dark Ages Europe, while Lübeck doesn't have any cannon weighing it down, and you can always ignore cannon anyway. I think this treaty is a perfect jumping off, off point for a chronicle. In fact, I actually had one planned a while ago that I never got to play. Uh, my idea was that the characters are the neonate child of powerful elders, and they're tasked with delivering important documents and gifts between uh, Hamburg and Lübeck as the Canites of the two cities have decided to form a pact in much the same way as the mortals are doing. This involves the characters um, in the very beginning of the Hanseatic League, so you can really have a long-running chronicle focused on this if you want. And near to Hamburg, uh, Hamburg, there is the town of Itzehoe, which was destroyed in 1201 um, by the Danes <clears throat> and then rebuilt in 1224. Uh, so my idea was that uh, after the characters did this job of securing the alliance, they would be given the city of uh, or town of Itzehoe as their domain as a reward f- uh, for helping set up the agreement. But also, you could just do a short chronicle which focuses on the high-stake politics surrounding the rulers of of two domains hashing out an agreement where uh, you could either play the powerful rulers or you could play younger vampires who are involved in it. Um, So that that was my last offering because I I really love Lübeck and the Hanseatic League. Yeah, yeah, it it opens up. And especially if you want to do a longer campaign because the the Hanseatic League was around for, for hundreds of years and... Yeah. was influential not only as uh, as commercial power and an economical power, but they they more or less waged wars against uh, other countries. Uh, Hell they, yeah, they burned down Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they uh, uh, yeah like like we mentioned uh, or like you mentioned the Visby on uh, on Gotland was more or less uh, in the, the actual city uh, was independent from the island uh, at least uh, during certain times so so when the danes invaded um, invaded the island of gotland uh, in 1361 they they didn't necessarily uh, have to invade the city of Visby, but they, they did anyway so it was uh, it could have been seen as a power move against the hanseatic league uh, but uh, I, I don't actually know if, if there were, was any repercussions then. But, but the there Hanseatic... was. There was some serious repercussions. Oh, yeah. So uh, and the, the Hanseatic League also tried to uh, try to intervene a bit in the Hundred Years' War. Um, I don't really know if it had any effect or if it was too far away uh, they, from Germany. They they got uh, they they got a bit of an ass whooping from time to time. Mm. That was when their power was waning. Yeah. So, but um, but during the the uh, especially the the thirteenth and fourteenth century, you you have this uh, this huge economical power uh, that that not only had power in their own cities, but on, also had influence uh, on on the courts of Europe. 
yeah. because not only did you have the, the actual physical threat of uh, oh oh so so you want to you want to invade this or do this well we have a bunch of ships that we usually use for trading but we can just as easily fill them up with with armed soldiers uh, and and if that isn't enough then we'll just move our trade routes to somewhere else and you can try selling your your wool to to Flanders if if you want to try but it's our ships blocking the harbors so good luck yeah and they actually they very specifically did that they they mm. enacted a trade blockade off Flanders uh, at some point because they didn't feel they were getting good enough prices f- uh, in Flanders yeah exactly so uh, and and you have uh, also at this time you you have the um, up here you have the Teutonic Order, which is uh, uh, also a powerhouse uh, when it comes to yeah yeah so it was a powerhouse so so you have the opportunity for um, for lots of of different power struggles and different factions uh, vying for power uh, against each other so yeah that's that that sounds I I would like to see how. Uh, such a game would play out over uh, multiple, perhaps not not too many centuries, but at least a few decades to see um, yeah. where, where I mean, it starts it, and where it ends up. If I was if I was going to uh, to run it, I would start in twelve forty one with the agreement, and then I would end it. And I cannot remember when it was, but there uh, they had something called the Hansetag or Hanseatic uh, Day, which was once a year representative from all the Hanseatic cities met. And there was one that was called the last Hanseatic Day, which was the last time they met, mm. after which the Hanseatic League didn't exactly dissolve, but it just, you know, stopped uh, really doing anything. And, and I, thi- I think it was sometime in the late 1600s. I'm not, uh, I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm thinking a chronicle could start with 1241 and end with the last yeah. uh, Hanseatic Day to show that, all right, you have seen the rise. You've seen the fall, you've seen the start, and you've seen yeah, the you've end. Seen, you've seen the peak, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I just Google it, and it was uh, July 1669. So you have, uh, you can have a, a campaign that uh, that uh, spreads from from the uh, 1200s, where you still have Crusades, into the 1300s, where you have uh, the Hundred Years' War, the, the Black Death, everything with that. Uh, we, you, you go into the 15th century, where you have um, the the decline of of uh, England's power uh, at least in France and but then you have the the War of the Roses and stuff like that uh, and and you have a bunch of Scandinavian wars uh, between yeah. Sweden and Denmark uh, and you uh, and and then in the 1500s of course you have the, the uh, Denmark and Sweden completely splitting and and then you have all the religious you have the rise of the atlantic trade protestantism uh, and then in the 1600s you have the the uh, and and of course if you want to do that you you of course have the exploration of the new world uh yeah and then in the 1600s you you cover the uh the, the 30, 30 years, years war completely and isn't around this time when you have all the the habsburg um yeah the the, the rise of the habsburgs yeah, and, and all and, that um, stuff yeah uh, what do you call it? The, the not the inheritance, but the way it's supposed to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I can't. I, English is difficult sometimes. The the <laughs> uh, this wars of secession. 
uh, yeah, about yeah, yeah, exactly. The, 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 the war, yeah, the war of the Spanish, Spanish secession and Spanish Netherlands and all that sort of yeah. thing is, is going on at this point. Yeah. Oh, and, and one last thing I want to mention, then we can finish up with the Hanseatic League, mm-hmm. but just in, if you want to include like some cool, possibly supernatural stuff, um, there was in the, I think it was in, in the late 1300s, there was this very, very, um, uh, successful pirate by the name of Klaus or Klaas Störtebeker yeah, yeah. who uh, who led uh, uh, the first um, Victor Brothers and then the Equal Sharers pirate groups that were really, really big in the Baltic Sea. But he was eventually captured by the Hanseatic mm. League, him and his crew, and they were obviously sentenced to death. And uh, he's, he, according to the story, which is a really cool story, he uh, said that he wanted to be executed first, and then he made uh, the Hanseatic League promise that they would decapitate him, and then uh, they would spare as many of his men as he could walk past after being decapitated. And the story goes, they cut his head off, and he picked it up, and I think it was nine of his men he managed to walk past before he fell yeah, over. There, there are some different versions of it. Some of it say that he managed to walk uh, past all but one of his crew members and, and, and the others that they mention a specific numbers. But yeah, that's that's a really cool story. Uh, yeah, so basically, you know, if, if you want to include something supernatural, that's the story for you yeah. because that's just uh, that's just a great one. And, and again, um, pirates. Come on, who, who doesn't love yeah. a good pirate story? So you can... Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if you want pirates in the Middle Ages, it's either the Baltic or the English Channel. Yeah. That's where the pirates were. Well, you did um, have quite a few in the Mediterranean as well, but sometimes they were called Crusaders. Um. <laughs> that is one way to look at it. Uh, so, uh, Peter, any last comments? Uh, no, again, I, I think we we had some interesting ideas, and and hopefully it will inspire our listeners to. Uh, to to uh, spin a yarn from them and and make something of their own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next week it is another look at a Dark Ages book. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Jacob, and from me, Peter. Farewell and see you next time. Bye.